Hey, I had a real good time tonight. You busy tomorrow night? I'd really like to see you again. In one neighborhood. Vinny saw the dead bodies last night. Saw the bodies? Between friends and lovers. The son of Sam Killer, who has been targeting young women, has caused panic-stricken brunettes to dye their hair blonde. I feel like I'm cheating on you with you. Anyone is a target. I think he's after me. I'm gonna be number eight. You know, I'd lay five to one to kill us from right here. Uh-oh. And everyone is a suspect. It's a black guy. We understand that the lights are out. Just stay in your house, lock your doors. City that never sleeps has come to a standstill. I know who the killer is. Reggie Jackson. Matter with you. What kind of guns did the killer use? 44 caliber, right? What's Reggie's number? 44. Reggie's the son of Sam. They think he's the son of Sam, the 44 caliber killer. Reggie, stop it! Nobody gets in my neighborhood without me knowing it. You think I'm the son of Sam? Everybody's got two personalities, man. A Spike Lee joint. John Leguizamo, Adrian Brody, Mira Sorvino, Jennifer Esposito, and Ben Gazzara. That psycho is gonna have no place to hide. 1977. The summer belonged to Sam. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 275, Summer of Sam. A movie I'm pretty excited to do, even though I was a little bit miffed when I put it on and the runtime was two hours and 20 minutes. I was kind of finding that unexpected because I remember I remembered most of it, even though I hadn't seen it in years, and I just wasn't thinking of it as a two hour and 20 minute film. Yeah, it sneaks up on you. Yeah. And I don't really think that this episode will be particularly long, not that our runtime necessarily reflects the runtime of a movie, because there isn't a ton of plot. It's more a vibes movie. Definitely. Just sort of checking in on these neighborhoods during a tumultuous time. And that's, I, I would say, like the peak of the movie is really capturing a feeling Yeah, around an event happening and... I can remember I was like in high school and I rented this movie just because 
the cover art for it jumps out to you. Yeah. I remember always seeing it sitting out and thinking, being deceived probably a little bit, thinking, oh, it is like a Son of Sam. Like, it's about this serial killer. And then you kind of get into it and you're like, what is this? But I can remember renting it and my dad remembering when he was whatever, I don't know, in his teens in 77, living in upstate New York, like five hours from New York City and even up there kind of being freaked out all the time yeah. because it was just like this weird feeling in the air that this was like going on. It should be an interesting discussion just because this movie is sort of lost, I think. It's definitely underappreciated and underrated and it's sort of buried underneath the massive movie year of 1999 and I think it's left behind. But I think it's actually a really interesting movie, but it it differs so much from a lot of Spike Lee's other material and it it sort of stands out as like its own weird little thing that I think there's definitely some interesting stuff to talk about. So before we do, Let's remind everyone to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like a free sticker, let us know on Twitter and we'll send that to you for free. Just slide into the old DMs and whatever. That's right. We'll make it happen. And find us on Letterboxd. I'm at Zach1983, Z-A-C-H-1983. And Matt is at Matt Crosby, M-A-T-T-C-R-O-S-B-Y. Find us on there. I'm due for another run on there during our break, I think. What do you mean? I haven't been logging stuff really recently, so. During our break? Our break before the show comes back. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just a week. Yeah. For taking next week off, we told you that there would be two episodes in July. We'll be back in August full-time, but we are recording this the same day we recorded American Psycho, which came out at this point two weeks ago. So if anything weird has happened in the world or any news or anything or anything related to this movie or the cast that we don't know about, that's why we're not mentioning it. This is being recorded weeks before we're releasing it. There's an asteroid coming to destroy Earth. Completely unmentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in that case, it might not get released. (laughs) Summer of Sam was released in 1999, directed by Spike Lee, written by Lee, Victor Cogliaccio, and Michael Imperioli. Oh. It was actually a script that Imperioli and Cogliaccio had written and they brought to Lee. He tried to shop it around to different directors and he was going to produce it. No one bit, so then Lee ended up directing it himself and doing a rewrite of the script. Imperioli is an actor who was on the verge of being in The Sopranos and almost played Richie in this film, but then The Sopranos got in the way. Oh, wow. But he also had appeared in several other Lee movies, and so he was an actor that knew Spike Lee, and that's how this all came together with this script that they wrote. The budget for the film was $22 million. The box office was $19.3 million, so it was not a hit. Nope. Did not recoup. And there was a mixed reception at the time. It was, this is only a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. I find that to be unfortunately low. I don't think that's fair. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that everyone understood this movie and understood what it was going for. Right. Do I think that everything in this movie is executed perfectly? No, I think there could be a little bit more suspense. And sure. I'm not 
a hundred percent thrilled with all of the the Berkowitz stuff. I think it probably could have been done a little bit better. I think so. A little bit more menacing and tying that in a little bit more with directly with the characters. But I get it. I get what's what they're going for. It's not a movie about David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. It's not about the direct victims of David Berkowitz, but it's more about the indirect victims and the effect that he had on the city and how New York, the summer of 1977, was just a crazy, tumultuous time. ESPN made the Bronx is burning about this as well. It was a crazy Yankee season. It was an insane heat wave that led to a blackout across the city, which caused rioting. Uh Uh-huh. You have the specter of this madman killing people at random over the city. And that's like what the film captures well. You feel like you're a part of that universe. You have punk and disco and all of this stuff all these things colliding. colliding. Yeah. It's before AIDS. So you have Plato's Retreat, which is a, a swingers place that was just opening and would last into the early 80s. Studio 54 still exists. CBGBs. It's a crazy, wild time. It's the New York that... I think a lot of people associate, yeah. at least older people associate with New York City. Younger people maybe don't, not so much. It's yeah. much more tame, especially they got rid of all the the peep show stuff and sure. cleaned up yeah. Times Square and everything. It's it's much more of a tourist destination now. Right. But for older people, even people my age who weren't alive in 77 but kind of experienced the the remnants of this throughout media and pop culture and stuff this is sort of that new york you imagine sometimes yeah it's also the the mecca of the racial and cultural melting pot yeah for me personally i didn't see this movie until years later but i was obsessed with the television commercials for it yeah it was the perfect combination of my obsession with the 60s and 70s so it 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 combined don't leave me this way by what's her name Thelma Houston is that her name Mm, I don't know and won't get fooled again by the who I loved the commercial I was obsessed with it I I was obsessed with serial killers and things like that because I'm a weirdo or whatever I think a lot of kids go through that and the music in the 70s and you have Son of Sam, and this just seemed like it was written specifically for my interests in 1999. <laughs> for yeah. whatever reason, I didn't see it until years later. Just like American Psycho, this was something that was not on my radar when it came out. Now, I guess 99 is a little bit of a hard year for me. I was 12, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's kind of like a little bit before my true cinephile years. At this point, I was still just seeing whatever mainstream movies. I think... One of the reasons it probably took me a while to get to it was sort of that lack of cultural imprint. As I said, the movie more or less bombed at the theater. Didn't really blow the critics away. Sure. Didn't really excite people too much, and it came and went pretty quick, and then I guess people moved on and forgot about it. I wasn't really at the point yet where I was regularly seeing R-rated movies in the theater. Right. That's for sure. But this movie... I feel like is sort of Spike Lee doing his Scorsese thing. I think so. He's channeling it a little bit, and not just because of the depictions of Italian-Americans, but sort of that montage feel. There are more sustained scenes yeah. in this, but it jumps around to a lot of Even different Even some people. of the musical numbers almost, like the way that the sequences are happening on top of the musical numbers is 
yeah. feel Scorsese-esque. Yeah, he definitely built some scenes around the songs, and there's definitely some awesome ones, including the the Dancing yeah. Queen one, which at this point, 23 years later, Dancing Queen has gone through so many comebacks, and there's been two Mamma Mia movies right. about <laughs> ABBA and everything. In the late 90s, pulling out Dancing Queen was like cool still. Yeah, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, this is like a gem what, from another right, time. Yeah. Now it's like everyone's heard it 10 million times because it's just, it's gone on. I don't know, maybe that's just my perception because I was younger in the 90s, but it felt like at the end of the 90s, people were pulling out some of these disco songs and being like, you know what, this is actually like a great song. This is a rocker. Because disco went through a time where it was, you know, Everyone was not embarrassed beloved. by it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was embarrassed that that was part of a human history. The summer of 1977 in New York City, the tumultuous and dramatic... World Series winning season for the New York Yankees. The first championship under owner George Steinbrenner. Yeah, Reggie Jackson. Larger than life characters like Jackson and manager Billy Martin. Then there was the infamous blackout that affected most of New York City on July 13th and 14th, 1977, which resulted in citywide looting and other rampant criminal activity, including arson. But the shadow that loomed over it all was the son of Sam, the 44 caliber killer. A reign of terror that would begin a whole year earlier on July 29, 1976, and would finally end with the arrest of David Berkowitz on August 10, 1977. Mm-hmm. Berkowitz grew up in New York City and served in the United States Army. Using a 44 special caliber Bulldog revolver, he killed six people and wounded seven others by July 1977. The killing spree terrorized New Yorkers and gained worldwide notoriety. Berkowitz eluded the biggest police manhunt in the history of New York City while leaving letters that mocked the police and promised further crimes, which were highly publicized by the press. Yeah, what a wild story. And even though the media sucks and is in many ways worse today than it was in the 70s, I do think that for whatever reason, and I don't know why, the sensationalism of particularly around serial killers and people of that ilk, does not exist in the same way that it did in the 70s and other decades. Yeah. You don't have these famous serial killers as much anymore. I don't know if that's maybe a conscientious decision to not glamorize or publicize this stuff as much so that it doesn't lead to copycat type you crimes. would hope, but it's hard to really believe that that yeah, would I be know. the case. That's why I'm having yeah. I'm stumbling over this. Yeah. I don't quite believe it myself, but I don't know what the answer is, or right. if it's just because we're in a 24-hour news cycle, so just things come and go right. so fast that yeah. they don't dwell on things as much. I don't know what it is, but it's hard to imagine anybody being able to get the kind of headlines that the Son of Sam did. Oh, it yeah. just doesn't it seem seems like, like a different world would care. Yeah. It's weird and fucked up as that sounds. <laughs> I don't know. It's horrific, and I'm not minimizing it at all, but you read six dead and seven wounded, and folks, not to turn this into some weird political thing, but we have it's these like mass a- shooters that kill us this much in a day all the time. Or, or more, yeah. And it's weird because if you don't catch the person and they always can come back, that's a different thing, obviously, because then there's a year's worth of, is this person going to kill me? Right. But, yeah, I, I don't know that this makes as much of an impact today. We're, sure. we're almost too desensitized right. to it. Yeah, I agree. When Berkowitz was arrested on August 10th, 1977, 
he was subsequently indicted for eight shootings. He confessed to all of them and initially claimed to have been obeying the orders of a demon manifested in the form of a dog belonging to his neighbor, Sam. Mm. Berkowitz was found mentally competent to stand trial. He pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, was found guilty, and was sentenced to six consecutive life sentences with the possibility of parole after 25 years in state prison. I got to tell you, the way they portray him in the movie, he doesn't seem sane. Well, I know, and it's a weird choice, but he subsequently admitted that the dog and devil story was a hoax. Right. In the course of further police investigations, Berkowitz was also implicated in many unsolved arsons in the city. The story of Berkowitz and the story of the Son of Sam murders are probably a lot less interesting than they seem on the surface. Yeah. I think that the whole thing with the dog and the Son of Sam was just him trying to make himself into a character through his letters sure. and notes. I don't know that any of it was real. Obviously, it wasn't real, but I mean real right. to him even. He wasn't throwing himself on the floor screaming that he couldn't take this dog barking. Maybe. Yeah. He did kill people. Sure. So he obviously was fucked up yes, in some way. deranged. But I don't know. There has been speculation over the years that there are other killers involved and it wasn't just him. But that traces back to him saying something along the lines of others, sons of Sam or something to that effect. But- There's never been really any evidence that I have ever heard, but who knows? Okay. But he's been in jail and the killing stopped, so that's pretty much your only clue. Spike Lee was facing a lot of negative feedback from the family members of the victims who didn't want a film being made which might glorify the killer in some sort of way. As a result, the script had to be changed, which focused more on the community than the killer himself. Son of Sam was rumored to be the original working title. I think there were other working titles as well i think summer of sam is actually like a pretty cool title yeah and i think it actually really more captures what the movie is yeah that summer which summer (laughs) the summer of sam (laughs) that one when things went to shit for all of us yes yeah it really is about how the people unravel and we'll we'll get more into this as it goes but i do think that the effects that the specter of sam had on these people is still relevant and prescient to today and it it manifests itself in different ways and you have various tribalism and people breaking off into these groups and then you see various forms of witch hunts and yep and the way just people react to things mob justice mob mentality mass hysteria yeah and i think that the way that the characters react and they they really build themselves up to this idea that Berkowitz or the 44 caliber killer or son of Sam is amongst them when they have no evidence of that, but they just sort of decide that. And then they go from there. Everyone's a suspect. And then the way they play that out, I think is a fascinating story. And I, I definitely think that it captures a certain side of humanity. And there are a few scenes in this film that are, incredible and it it is sort of disappointing that it didn't resonate with audiences and critics more yeah this is the third spike lee movie we've done on the podcast and even if you take away the two that we already did 25th hour and do the right thing and you just left everything else you could still argue that the popular opinion would be that lee has at least maybe even a half dozen films that are better yeah than summer of sam this one's up there for me though 
Yeah, on a personal level, because of the subject matter involving the 70s in New York and The Son of Sam, I, I do like this one. But I just thought this one would be cool because of the music, because of everything. I don't know. It just because feels it's cool. hot as hell right now. <laughs> yeah, plus it's the summer, and I'm thinking of summer movies to do. <laughs> Literally, me every day is the parts where like John Leguizamo is just like sweat. He's only wearing, like, <laughs> what are they called? The, just like the strap shirts. A tank top? Yeah. <laughs> I, th- the word was escaping me. He's only wearing like a tank top and it's soaked through. <laughs> I don't think there was much air conditioning going on in the no, neighborhood. I know. I was thinking that central air was just not a regular thing. And, man, what a tough existence. Especially in those old houses and oh, buildings yeah. in the 70s. Everything's right on top of each other. The Just the concrete and the trash. <laughs> tough. Journalist Jimmy Breslin, to whom the real son of Sam sent letters during the time of the murders, appears as himself introducing and closing the film. So Spike Lee does incorporate his usual touches of things Uh when they mention Willie Mays' basket catch. You actually see it. You see a lot of Reggie Jackson playing himself, although some of it I think was recreated with like modern day Reggie Jackson, especially that brightly colored one of him in the outfield at one point. I think that was just him in a costume. Gotcha. But, you know, yeah. they use archival footage, and then they have Jimmy Breslin, but it, it's not yeah. shot like a movie. Right. Especially the one at the end, which seems to be the same dead end that like they shot the movie in. Documentary or something. Yeah, like a video camera. Yeah, or yeah. It feels like more as if he's appearing on the news or right. something. The city I love and the city I hate. There's 8 million stories in the Naked City. This is just one of them. Yep. In the summer of 1977, New York City, in the midst of a sweltering heat wave, lives in fear of the 44 caliber killer who shoots young women and their male companions, usually in their cars, but sometimes in front of their houses. The killer, David Berkowitz, later identifies himself as son of Sam in a note left at a murder scene. Berkowitz lives in a filthy apartment where he is driven crazy by the barking of a neighbor's large black lab, Harvey, the dog of Sam Carr, and he has a vision of the dog directing him to kill. Now, killing people is extreme, but if I had to hear a dog barking nonstop, I get it. It is horrible. (laughs) You are just like, shut up. But there is an element to the movie that makes you think that he's imagining the dog altogether because he at one point he kills the dog right but then the dog's not dead yeah i know so which is confusing is any of it real with the dog i don't know (laughs) what is it about these movies and is it real is it not real (laughs) it's like every movie now the movie opens with the song fernando and a murder sequence i was actually surprised watching this just how many songs are in the first five to ten minutes of the movie (laughs) oh yeah a ton of songs jam-packed it's a perfect companion piece to boogie nights it feels a little bit like yeah, boogie the nights. song boogie nights is in it right yeah yeah obviously similar time period similar music but also a somewhat similar style yeah boogie nights takes place over a much longer period of time and this only takes place over like a month or two mm-hmm. but i do think that aesthetically they fit together boogie nights is a better film but this one, you could see any number of these characters fitting into that world as well. Yeah, I'd In say fact, so. I was saying before we started recording that I used to confuse Jennifer Esposito with Melora 
Walters? Is uh-huh. that her name? Uh, Waters? So. Melora Waters? Yeah, yeah. I guess because I just thought Jennifer Esposito was actually in Boogie Nights or something. I don't know. And then, yeah, it goes from Fernando into the song Boogie Nights leading into the disco dancing sequence. In an Italian-American neighborhood in the Bronx, hairdresser Vinny, yeah. played by John Leguizamo, and his wife, Diana, played by Mira Sorvino. The rare but not unknown time when the male hairdresser is just a complete ladies' man. Yeah, they even make, make the, a shampoo. the shampoo joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They go dancing at a local nightclub where they meet up with Diana's attractive cousin, Chiara, Yeah, played by a woman named... Lucia Giallo or something like that. Wow. I don't even know. She really didn't act in much, but yeah. it's a stunning woman. Absolutely. Doesn't speak English in the film. <laughs> Seems like it's a tough night out, but is able to strike up an attraction with her cousin's husband. The role of Diana was originally written with Jennifer Esposito in mind. Oh, wow. And the role of Ruby was originally offered to... You guessed it, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Wow. <laughs> who has been offered every part in every movie that yeah, we talk really. about. <laughs> a cast reshuffle ended with Mira Sorvino as Diana and Esposito as Ruby. I guess because Ruby is supposed to be younger, and I think Esposito is like six or seven years younger than Sorvino, but Gellar would have been younger than Esposito, so they yeah. just sort of adjusted it. It had probably been... I don't know, 10 years, around 10 years since I'd watched this movie. I remembered John Leguizamo's wife, that character, being pretty. I know we try to keep the sexism casual here. (laughs) But Mira Sorvino blew me out of my chair when I was watching this. (laughs) Went flying backwards out of my chair. I could not believe it. I think to the surprise of no one listening to this, I was a big fan of both women from this movie. Right. My late 90s, I was all in on Mira Sorvino and Jennifer Esposito, for sure. I don't know why. I don't even know what I would have seen them in. I don't know. I'm there now. Oh, yeah. I'm still there, but I was in early. Sure. (laughs) An early adopter. Vinny, being the nice and helpful guy that he is, offers to drive Chiara home while Deanna remains at the club. He takes Chiara to a residential neighborhood and fucks her in the car. Son of Sam watches them from the shadows but holds off on approaching when a car horn sounds and headlights flash, causing Vinny and Chiara to be embarrassed and to drive away. Really a rough kind of moment. After they leave, Son of Sam kills the couple in the other car parked behind where Vinny had just been. We find out later that he's just fucking his wife's cousin in the ass in the car. (laughs) They make it a point to let us know. I know. (laughs) But that is sort of crucial to the plot in a way because <laughs> well although he does list type world <laughs> although he does list doggy style too as yeah, one yeah. of those acts that he won't do with his wife right. but yeah it's one of the main things is Vinny strays outside of the marriage to do certain sexual acts that he doesn't want his wife to do which is what it boils down to sure yeah you can sort of frame it any way you want like oh he's embarrassed no he doesn't want his wife to do it because he keeps her pure in his mind. It's actually like a really caveman, reductive way of right. viewing women where every woman has to be either Madonna or the whore, and he keeps her up as 
this pure angelic woman who right. would never want to do certain sexual acts because those things are sins. But he has some desires he needs to act out. Supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to do it. I was kind of blown away by how much hooking up as well as hanging out in cars is going on. Yeah. There's a ton of it in the movie. Like People are just constantly hanging out in their cars at night. Yeah. I do think that some of the victims were younger. I think on the news they say a 20-year-old man and a 17-year-old girl were killed, which is always an embarrassing thing because since the woman is under 18, they say girl. And so on the news- Just a beat down <laughs> I, for that dude? Yeah. You get killed and it's just like, oh God, you sound like a pedophile. Right. <laughs> But I do think that some of the victims were younger. A lot of people were probably living at home, especially in these traditional yeah, yeah. Italian neighborhoods, which I was sort of wondering how old some of these characters were even supposed to be because it seems it's like a tell. lot of them are yeah. living at home. Right. Which but I guess but they also the seem thing. old. <laughs> Don't they look kind of old? Yeah. Well, Liguizamo and Sorvino were both like already mid-30s, and they are married and living out. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, Brody, Adrian Brody and... Jennifer Esposito were more like mid-20s, but they both seem to be living at home. Right. A lot of the other characters also seem to be living at home, but they also seem to be 30-ish or older. I don't know. It's sort of hard to tell, but I think that maybe it's to do with just the way that those neighborhoods were, like 30. You didn't move out till you were married, basically. Sure. The one guy, Joey T, he's like, I got divorced. I'm back with my mom. Yeah. Like, if you got divorced, you move back home. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's just because New York was expensive or people didn't make much money or it's just the way things were in Italian neighborhoods or I don't know. But I think that leads to people being in cars because there wasn't as much privacy. I don't know. I get it. Seems like it would be hot and uncomfortable, though. I mean, I guess it's Yeah, but you didn't know anything else. Yeah, it's true. You're just used to it. Right. Everybody's just sweaty all the time. When Vinny goes back and picks up Deanna at the club, she becomes suspicious and notices something when she kisses his face. Yeah, which is very noticeable to us, the audience, but... It's not explained in that moment, and it's even and when it is insane once you hear what it is. <laughs> if you know what it is and go back and watch her like facial expressions and the way that she's reacting, like, huh, I noticed something. Yeah. <laughs> when she reveals what it is that she notices, you're like, oh. Well, you can say it, because I don't know, when it comes back up, I'm not sure if we'll get back Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you want to say it? It's a little crass, but sure. She could smell her cousin's pussy juice. (laughs) Oh, you're just saying it exactly how they say it. I would have said something like, she becomes aware that her husband has perhaps performed oral sex on her cousin. (laughs) But it is shocking, both that she says that and that she would say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that Deanna is a little wilder than Vinny realizes oh yeah but he doesn't want to see her that way she so lets it doesn't her even matter. freak flag fly at plato's closet and he wasn't ready plato's closet <laughs> plato's retreat yes yeah, at the clothes store <laughs> the used clothes store well it doubles <laughs> yeah i think that he just doesn't want to see her that way i think naturally you would think oh what a relief I thought I was alone in these desires, and here is my partner, my loving wife who loves me, and we have this trust and sexual relationship. I can bring these things to her, and she would be open to experimenting. No, no, no. (laughs) That's not what this is, because he doesn't want to see her that way. 
Because he has opportunities in the film, which we'll get to later, yeah. and that it, freaks him out entirely. Freaks him out, makes him angry. At well, that's points. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole other level right. of freak flag flying yeah. <laughs> there. But yeah, it's this weird fucking hang up that he has about what is okay to do with your wife and what you do with quote unquote whores, which is how he kind of sees yeah. every other woman that and he I carries mean, on with. Obvi- it's a strain on their whole marriage, but it drives her nuts because she's like trying to figure out. Yeah, how she to, like, calls get him like this. linguini dick later. You get the idea that they don't have sex a lot anymore because she's kept in this glass box where she yeah. can't do the things he wants her to do, so he's not getting turned on. Right. And then at one point they do have sex and he comes like very fast when the light's on, which I thought was like a weird scene. I'm not sure what we were supposed to take sure. from that. But yeah, she doesn't let on now that she knows what Vinny did. It's sort of it's put on the back burner because during this drive home, it's turning slightly awkward, but then it's interrupted by there being police gathered at the crime scene. The crime scene is where Vinny just was, so he realizes like what the fuck, he gets out slips past the police tape and looks at the bodies of the slain couple even reaching out at one point and touching blood which i thought was absurd <laughs> the police are that negligent that they're letting a random guy touch the crime <laughs> yeah. scene like what the fuck are they doing this is the crime scene where berkowitz leaves a note and i think henceforth becomes known as son of sam which gotcha is what he calls himself in the note or something there is something about Liguizamo's performance that gets irritating to me, but that makes it a good performance. I mean, the character is irritating. For this sure. character who thinks that they have the right to pull up to a crime scene and just know what's going on. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Officer, what's going on? Like, who are you? Waltz is up to the place like he belongs there. Yeah, it's sort of like infuriating. Yeah. That's the way he acts all the time. He tries to do it at Studio 54. Shut yeah. down, though. Yes. Richie, played by Adrian Brody, was originally written as the lead, but Lee enjoyed Liguizamo's improvising so much that Vinny ends up with more screen time. Michael Imperioli was originally meant to play Richie, but he had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts with The Sopranos, which was just getting underway. Imperioli only appears briefly in the film as another character called Midnight. Midnight, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like a cool guy. Richie's back in town. After some time away, never really explained where he was, just sort of coming back. (laughs) Discovering British punk rock. A whole new guy, sporting a punk spiked hairdo and affecting a British accent. We've all been there. Right. (laughs) We've all tried so hard to reinvent ourselves. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, this is an extreme move, because it's not just the wardrobe. It's not just the, like, interests. To actually take on an accent. Yeah, it's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a stepfather situation with Mike Starr. His mom's played by Patty Lapone. We meet a little bit of the neighborhood crew. Joey T. Oh, yeah. Played by Michael Rispoli. This is uh, Jackie Aprile from Sopranos, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a lot of crossover with Sopranos actors and Spike Lee movies. There yeah. just always has been. I think it's the New York actors, you right. know, that area. Then there's Anthony brian oh yeah also diana's dad is was in sopranos oh yeah that's yeah. right yeah Vinny's hanging out with his drug dealer joey t and these assorted friends they just like hang out at the spot down by the water either intentionally or unintentionally they're winding him up saying that the killer would have seen his license plate <laughs> and that he could be the next victim which starts out as a joke 
His friends are definitely winding him up to be funny, right. but it gets in his head. It gets in his head so much that it actually is one of the main driving forces of the movie and his unraveling. Right. Where he descends into drinking and drug use because he's Paranoia, so freaked out. Yeah. You could say that something would have pushed him there anyway, that he was living that lifestyle, but I think that's part of the pressure cooker atmosphere of this summer of 77. Richie shows up catching shit for the new look and the accent, but Ruby, played by Esposito, a local girl with a reputation, is very interested in the new Richie. There's something familiar about the way that Ruby acts. She's sort of your prototypical sad girl who is living a life that they're not super thrilled with. Sure. And is immediately drawn to something different. And that's what Richie represents. She sees, because like to most people, the pretend British accent and the whole thing is such a clown show. Right. But she's like, this guy is a thousand percent different from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in. You also get the sense, though, that there's a history there. I knew they knew each other, but doesn't it seem like she has carried something for him? Maybe. I don't know. I was getting that a little bit. It's possible. Maybe it's just that he's always been a little bit different than the rest of the neighborhood dudes. Yeah. Oh, 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 Don't tell nobody. It's between you and me. Now, it's bad enough that I balled her, right? But then some sick side of me had to drive you on a right past the spot where we're just sticking it up our cousin's ass, you know? Shit, and that's why I saw the dead bodies right there. You know what? God spared me. He spared me, man. Because he's a fucking omen. No, I'm serious. He fucking, he let me go. You know, what the fuck could this mean? It means something. What do you think it means? I don't know. What do you think it means? I think God's telling me that I'm going to burn a health if I don't stop cheating. Can I tell you why I'm ready to get married? Yeah. Didn't I? Don't fucking listen. Because I fucking thought I was going to stop cheating when I got married, you know? I thought so, and now I'm just fucking cheating a lot more than I ever did. But I thought, you know, I thought the man up there understood. I thought he would fucking understand. God has got nothing to do with this, Vin. Oh, come on, Richie. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. God is telling me, you shouldn't be doing these things with your wife. That's what he's telling me. What things? Oh, come on. Don't be stupid, you know? What? No butt-fucking. 69, doggy style. And that's the message. God is saying, you got to cut that shit out. You got to cut it out. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to spare you the next time. That's what God's telling me. And Richie, I'm telling you, I swear I think the guy saw my license plate. I think he's after me. I'm telling you, I'm going to be number eight. My life is over, man. I'm going to worry about that. You don't got to worry about anybody coming after you or any omen. What the fuck am I going to do? What if I... What if I can't stop? What if I got some kind of sort of hang-up, you know? You don't got any hang-ups. You know, once you deviate it, you can't go back. You know that. Why don't you just tell Diana you like these things, and, you know, maybe she'll do it. Come on, you don't do that shit with your wife. Why not? Nah, it's a fucking sin. Oh, please. Please, can I put up your ass, please? Just one time. Fucking make fun of me, Stop. Let me put up your ass. Shut up. Oh, Diana... Okay, what do you want me to tell you then? Get a fucking divorce then. Divorce is fucking evil, Rich. You got some fucking really bad advice. <laughs> evil spelled backwards is live. You're a corny fuck, you know that. The quote-unquote religious and guilty Vinny, realizing how close he came to becoming a victim, 
decides that God spared him in order to give him a chance to reform his ways and stop cheating on Diana. Vinny represents unchecked, limitless narcissism. Just insane. I know. That he makes the murder of other people about him and his opportunity to change his life, which, of course, he actually doesn't do, but... (laughs) I know. Mind you, he doesn't actually do that, but he somehow turns it into something about him. That scene with Gloria when he's telling her how he needs to stop cheating, and then he's like, well, maybe we could have sex one more time. (laughs) Although he believes he loves his wife, their sex life is not everything he wants because Vinny enjoys anal sex, 69ing, and other sex acts he cannot bring himself to discuss or perform with his wife. And this is where he tells Richie that he was sticking it up his wife's cousin's ass. <laughs> You're like, Almost bragging about put it. Put that out there. <laughs> and Richie naturally is just like, why don't you just ask Deanna to do these things? Why are you using this as an excuse to cheat? What are you talking about? Vinny's just got this warped sense of morality where that seems so absurd to him those aren't things you do with your wife (laughs) what's wrong with you it does seem crazy that he would have this but we i guess we don't know where this comes from this is just sexual repression this is a hard-nosed no sex before marriage not that he did that but that's what you're taught roman catholic sex is bad sex is something to be guilty about yes and how this plays out where it somehow gets warped in your mind that your wife is this pure thing that won't do these things or you shouldn't do with your wife because she needs to remain this pure woman. And we naturally, because I think human beings naturally get these urges to, to explore and experiment sexually and wants to do these things. And I don't know, it's just fucked up to me because I think it, it sort of ties in when you hear like men not wanting to, perform moral sex on women or some women not wanting to give blowjobs because they think it's demeaning or something. I just think that like when you're in a a loving relationship with a partner, and in this case he's married to this woman who's his wife, I don't know. I feel like that's part of it. That's part of the fun. Sure, it should be. You should want to do these things (laughs) with her, and she should want to do them with you. I don't think that you need to have these hang-ups about this stuff. Obviously, that's the whole point. But Yeah, well, he blows it. <laughs> I know, he blows it so bad that it just costs him everything. Yeah. It's like, you couldn't just fuck your hot wife in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What the fuck? <laughs> so Vinny re-pledges his love to Diana, apologizing without actually saying what he's apologizing for, essentially. And just one of those moves. Oh, yeah. Where he's like... Begging her for forgiveness. Without Listen, I'm going to be a good husband it. from now on. Yeah. And she's like, well, as opposed to what? But she does know. That's yeah. the thing. And I don't think the thing with her cousin was the first right. thing. Right. No, I know. She is, I think the, it, this is this moment where she's like, okay, I know things have been fucked up. I know he's been cheating on me, but I'm really believing that I'm accepting this like as sort of an apology and that we're starting a new front now going forward. Yeah, it's that combination of being in denial, but also knowing that you're in denial. Yeah. So she sort of knows, but doesn't want to admit to herself that she knows that everything's fucked. And if he's going to be good from now on, then fine. Although you would think that 
if he's gonna cheat on her, that the cousin element would be a bridge too far. That's rough. <laughs> but maybe she actually is from Italy, so she's leaving, and it's yeah. out of sight, out of yep, mind, like right. that kind of thing. And you're not at risk of it happening again with that person. <laughs> Detectives Petroselli, played by Empire Records' own Anthony Lepaglia. <laughs> That's right, I recognized him. And Atwater, played by Roger Gwenver Smith, who played Smiley in Do the Right Thing. Oh, yeah. Are at their wits' end with the investigation, so they reluctantly turn to the local mob boss, Luigi, played by Ben Gazzara. That's right. For help to find the killer. Legendary Ben Gazzara. And this conversation, which seems almost like a weird side segment throwaway in a sense, really is what sort of starts to sow the seeds of vigilantism and mob justice that will burn through the city as the fear increases. This particular neighborhood is set off by this conversation, but you could imagine various conversations, various things happening. Not always at the request of the police, necessarily, but people talking, people building these ideas in their head. Because you can draw a through line, because later, when things go to shit... Who are Joey T and company talking about taking who they think Son of Sam is to? They're right. like, we're taking you to Luigi. So this is the through line right here. Luigi is put to work, essentially, by the cops in some sort of an uneasy alliance because they know yeah. he's like a mob guy. And Although, then really, like, giving the cops a hard time about it. <laughs> well, he's yeah giving them shit because they probably bust his balls. He's pr- always a suspect for something. Sure. I did like the part where they're like, we need your help. And he's like, what do you want me to do, arrest myself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ben Gazzara essentially just playing the same character from Roadhouse, except he's moved to New York City. (laughs) There's a JCPenney here because of me. (laughs) Richie ends up getting forced into the garage at his own house by his mom and her husband because they want a little privacy. Oh, sure. Some life that they're living, by the way. Card games going on. Yeah, there is sort of a a carefree lifestyle. Although he's like a singer, yeah. This stuff, I, I don't know what the mom does. Yeah, it is interesting to see Spike Lee play in this neighborhood. There aren't really many African American characters in this at all. Just the one cop and yeah, some of the people that appear on the news and Spike Lee himself as a reporter. Bed Stuy makes a little bit of an appearance, but he's more of an outsider instead of. Scorsese telling the right. story as an insider. So it lends itself to like a different perspective to what we're seeing. So there is sort of a comedic element to it. You're not yeah. really sure what's going on a lot of the time with these people. Yeah. Why is Richie living at home? What What was he doing before he came back? Now he has to live in the garage and he's so mad. Most of the Italian neighborhood dudes are definitely portrayed as Neanderthals. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> All the brunettes in the city are wanting to turn blonde. First one we see is Ruby. I don't know if it was something that Berkowitz was intentionally targeting or if it was just coincidence, but it did seem like a lot of the victims were brunettes, so people were dyeing their hair blondes. That was definitely a thing. Other women were wearing wigs, which yeah. Deanna will eventually do. Which I was enjoying, by the way. Oh, I bet you were. Sure. <laughs> Richie and Ruby kickstart a new relationship Unlike the other men in her life, Richie takes a real interest in Ruby as a person, not just a sexual outlet. And while that's blossoming, 
we learned that Vinny's pledge to be a better husband is rather short-lived as his affair with Gloria, the owner of the hair salon where he works, is revealed to the audience. He overcomes his momentary guilt to keep their affair afloat. Gloria, portrayed by B.B. Newworth, Lilith from Frasier and yeah. Cheers, and just a shocking I was finding performance. her kind of sexy in this role, really. <laughs> Yeah, she's a little sex bomb yeah, there yeah. with her hair salon. But you could almost draw a parallel between Vinny and Dirk Diggler and their meltdowns. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because Gloria is his boss. And when things go bad, Vinny has sort of a Dirk Diggler-esque meltdown. That's true, yeah. <laughs> An embarrassing one. Where he's like, this place is only a good salon because of me. I built this place. All the customers are here because of me. <laughs> It's my big dick. (laughs) (laughs) Joey T and the neighborhood guys are not the most tolerant folks out there expressing rampant homophobia in some attacks directed toward a homosexual from the area named Bobby, played by the late Brian Tarantina. Mm. This unwelcoming attitude is certainly extended toward Richie as well. However, one of the weird things about this movie is that they are actually very protective towards Bobby. Yeah, And there's that scene where they beat up other people that beat up Bobby. Right. So they are homophobic towards him, but they also defend him as one of their own. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess is kind of sweet. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Ruby learns that Richie makes money by erotic dancing and sometimes prostituting himself at a gay theater. Yeah, really not a turnoff for her. No. Not pushing her away. This does not phase her at all. This is she like, remains loyal to him. This is one of those good lessons about life and dating. If a girl is into you, <laughs> seemingly you can do whatever. And there's still I don't really know if that's a lesson to take from this. But she is very accepting and even eventually adopts the punk fashion for herself and and sort of falls into this lifestyle with Richie, and despite some of the oddness of their lives and their lifestyle, it is a sweet love story amidst all of the chaos going on around them during this time period. This is where we meet Midnight, who seems to be the proprietor of this place. He says to Ruby, you're so hot you make me wish I was a lesbian, which I thought was a funny line. I enjoyed that as well. (laughs) I was feeling that way too. (laughs) Vinny starts really cracking up over the son of Sam, and I think that his drug use is escalating. And at one point, wearing only briefs, he leans out the window and is yelling out into the night (laughs) to son of Sam. And Deanna is just like, what the fuck is going on? Really? What are you doing? Chill, dude. Because she doesn't even know, obviously. He didn't tell her that he was fucking parked. One car away. Fucking her cousin in the ass. (laughs) The reward money is increasing, and locally there's extra money tacked on top to trying to find him. People are afraid to go out at night. It's really having a huge effect on the city because I think there was a dormant period. Obviously, when I started this, I said that Berkowitz started in the summer of 76, but I think things ramped back up starting in May, I think, of 77. Gotcha. Something like that. Took the winter off. So all of a sudden, the fever was catching hold again. People were afraid to go out at night. It's it's causing a whole thing. 
as evidenced by the scene where they go to the club and no one's there and Deanna looks incredible in the red dress and the whole thing. But yeah, for whatever reason, people who had been parking in their cars to make out or drop people off from dates. Now it wasn't just home. people fucking in their cars, sure. Matt. Get I, that out of I, your said, head. I said a lot of hanging out was going on in cars, too. You could be dropping off your lady friend after a lovely evening of big spaghetti dinners. That's right. And you're parked in front of her house wishing her a good night, and you're kind of talking. and Nothing better than when it's a million degrees out eating just like a heavy giant ass meal (laughs) sweating yeah farting and sweating in your car (laughs) yeah a lot of relationships being pushed forward during this time garlic all over your breath and face (laughs) if diana kissed your face you'd be like what is this garlic (laughs) moving back in with mom real quick diana's dad gives her a blonde wig huh which has the added benefit of creating a potential opening of doors sexually with oh, yeah. Vinny. A little role playing maybe? I definitely remember that from the TV commercial where she's like standing at the bathroom door to the into their bedroom with the blonde wig and he's like I feel like I'm with a whole other woman. You don't have to wear that in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't work though because she starts blowing him at one point and he's like finally enjoying something cuz I'm getting that that's not usually on the menu Sure. and then he can't do it. Yeah. And it she starts thinks off it's okay. something wrong with her. Right. She's like, what? Just tell me what you want. Yeah. It's tragic, really. I know. I know. It's tough. <laughs> I'm screaming at the TV. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, Vinny? Ugh. Joey T and the boys have come up with a list of suspects. So you know that trouble is a-brewing. And of course, Richie is chief among their suspects. I like that one guy saying that, the killer is Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I know. That part's great. <laughs> Mr. October. Even if he is the killer, we need him till October. Yeah. That's like the one guy. <laughs> yelling. That would be me. What is your opinion of the Berkowitz interludes throughout the film? They're not as strong as I would like them to be. Like, they don't have as much tense. They don't feel that suspenseful or anything. Yeah. They feel a little too cartoony or something for me. I like him looming. In the bushes, there's some there's a shots of, of him where that, he approaches yeah. girls and they they run to their front door yeah. and he sort of walks away. And I, I think that's stronger stuff, ones. Yeah, I think that stuff is based in reality. That did happen. People and have that stuff encounters. is cool. Yeah, the stuff in his apartment is sort of hit or miss. I think the biggest issue with it for me is that it ultimately does feel too disconnected from the rest of the movie. Yeah, I agree. I get that he's looming over them and he's sort of causing a lot of the tension and stress in their lives and they don't know what to do. And I know, but it almost seems like it would have served the movie to show him less. A little less, yeah, yeah. a little less. I don't know that those little interludes accomplish what they're seeking to accomplish. And the one where the dog actually talks to him is sort of cheesy. That's rough. Even at a less critical time in my life when I was not as hard on movies... It almost took me out of it as much as Darth Vader at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Where's Padme? <laughs> yeah. There's a pretty cool Baba O'Reilly montage. Yeah. I had remembered this being closer to the end. There's like so much of the movie left after this. Yeah. I think it's probably about halfway. Yeah, yeah. Or so the Son of Sam strikes again. We get a little bit more of the baseball stuff. We get Richie trying to be a punk rocker. We see the neighborhood guys defending Bobby. This is when 
Berkowitz kills the dog that won't stop barking, but then later it seems like the dog is still alive, so who knows what you're even seeing. We don't know. He even is like, I killed you. (laughs) What's happening? There's insane heat. Everyone's on edge, and this leads to the blackout, which leads to the looting and the crime going on. Yeah, Christmas in July. Everyone's even more on edge because it feels more vulnerable to Sam because of this. I don't know that he actually killed anybody on those dates. I don't know, but it's not portrayed in the movie. Mm -hmm. But the city is pushed over the edge at this point. Luigi stoking fires and stoking fears. No one gets in this neighborhood, so he's creating these vigilante mobs with baseball bats guarding the bridges. I know, yeah, like stopping cars and making people get out. I might be misremembering this. I thought that the majority of the attacks were in Queens. There were some outside of Queens, but I felt like the majority was Queens. Mm -hmm. But this movie makes you think that it's the Bronx. Yeah, and I think makes its way to Brooklyn at some point. I think he I th- only I thought that was mentioned, but maybe that's yeah. Funny. I think he only attacked maybe once in I don't know. I don't want to yeah, s- yeah. say because I'm probably wrong, but I think it, uh, the majority was actually in Queens. Okay. Richie and Ruby invite Vinny and Deanna to come see their punk band perform at CBGB, but once there, wow, Deanna feels intimidated by the punk crowd. Sure, and refuses to go inside. They obviously do not appear to fit in. <laughs> I mean, it's like glaringly obvious yeah it's a pretty big culture clash pulling up in this car it was basically like when i was in middle school and tried to walk into hot topic for the first time (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're afraid to even park their car they think that it's such a bad area it's a complete culture clash for sure Their band, where Ruby sings, they're actually performing a Son of Sam letter as a song. Okay, yeah. (laughs) 
hello from the gutters of New York City. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you think about things through the post-pandemic gaze now where you're, like, looking at this show and all these people are just, like, slammed on top of each other in the crowd and how unappealing that seems. (laughs) Well... It was unappealing even before. I know, but it's even compounded by. So instead, Vinny and Deanna try to go to Studio 54, where they are denied entry, and instead are caught up with a partying group that takes them to Plato's Retreat, which is an actual famous swingers club that used to exist in New York City. It so happens that 1977 was the year that it opened, so this is all sort of a perfect time of when this all could happen. This is the peak, in a way, of the sexual revolution, and Vinny is denying himself that. I don't want to harp on it anymore. We've already (laughs) covered it. But you think this is still, no one had ever even heard of AIDS. Right. And people had invented the pill and various contraceptives, so... All of a sudden, all bets, all bets are, are off. off. Yeah, yeah it, it was a party time. Have fun. <laughs> Deanna wants to leave at first, but Vinny wants to stay, so they stay. Kind of making her do drugs. Together, Vinny and Deanna take drugs and start participating in an orgy, and two minutes of this were cut out so that the film could avoid an NC-17 rating. So just like American Psycho, yeah, right. we're only picking movies that had to get trimmed down to avoid that rating. Well, it does seem like it's a lot of yeah. R-rated movies that that happens. At least the cool ones. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, predictably, Vinny becomes upset when he sees Diana appearing to enjoy the experience of having sex with another man. It's hard to tell what's going on with her. Is she like involved in some sort of threesome scenario? Yeah. It kind of seems that way. And then he makes a comment about her being a lesbian, too, when he's flipping out. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a dude, but it seems like maybe there's also a woman. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Even though he himself is having sex with other women. (laughs) He looks like he's having the time of his life until he peeks over there. Yeah, which is so pathetic and despicable. Which leads us to perhaps the best scene in the film. I know a lot of people feel this way. It's definitely one of the more famous ones. Is this another one of your shortcuts? So what, you're not gonna talk? whole way home come on Vinny tell me something what do you think did that guy fuck you better than me what are you talking about I'm embarrassed I don't want to talk about that fucking embarrassed about did he fuck you better than me I did it for you you did it for me yeah oh that's really nice you did it for me did you like it for me did you fucking come for me huh was that for me? That was the pills. That was the coke. Don't blame the fucking pills, you fucking lesbian fucking whore. Don't fucking do that shit. You were there too. You're a fucking whore. I can't be a whore because I'm a man, okay? You're the fucking whore, you stupid lesbian fucking whore. And you're a faggot fucking hairdresser. Get the fuck out of the car. 
You get the fuck out. I said, get the fuck out, out of the out car! There's a fucking psycho killer out there killing people! I don't people. give a shit, get the whole fucking kill you! Get the fuck out of my car! It is my car! I will not get out! You get the fuck out! Fuck out. Shit. Get the fuck out of the car! Get the fuck out! Get out of the car! You get out of my car! Get out of it right now! Fucking piece of shit. Fucking make me sick, you fucking slut. <laughs> I'm sorry, just get in the fucking car. No. Come on, let's go. Get in the car. Come on, let's go. Fuck you. Come on. Get in the car, please, baby. Get baby, don't you dare baby me. I'm gonna wait here. I'm gonna wait until somebody comes along. You know what? I'm gonna wait here until some soul brother comes along in his big black Cadillac. And you know, and I know, that he's got a big black dick, Come too. on, don't talk like that. Just get inside the car. Oh, fuck you. Please, please don't make me have to beg you. Get in the car. Come on, don't make me have to hurt you. Get in the car. Hurt me? Get don't you fucking even car. fucking lay a picky on me. I'll get him to kick your ass and then I'll fuck him. You want to watch, Vinny? Will that turn you on, Vinny? You linguini dick motherfucker. You want to watch? You want to watch while I suck a big black dick in the back of the big black Cadillac? You shut the fuck up. You shut the fuck up. Get the fuck inside the car now. Hello? Anybody out there? Yeah, shut the fuck up and get inside Any the car now. Come on. There? No, I don't get hard anymore because you don't fucking turn me on anymore. That's why. You're a fucking pervert. You're a fucking pervert. Inside the car. I'm going to take you to Father's house now. I want to see you from there. Come on. All right. You want to drive? Okay, drive me over there, you fucking dyke. Drive me over there, you fucking hairdresser. I hope he kills you. I hope you die here. Diana, Diana, come back here. Diana, come back. Come on. Don't fucking leave me over here. I hope he fucking kills you, you fucking faggot pansy. Diana, stop that fucking car. Come back here. Fuck you. Diana, come on. Come back. Stick it up your fucking ass. Diana, don't fucking leave me here. Diana. The argument in the car on the way home played over Dancing Queen. It's a tremendous scene. It feels very raw. There's a lot of improvisation in it. Vinny berates Diana, which infuriates her and causes her to reveal that she knows he cheated on her with Chiara, her cousin. Yeah, this is like my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> this well, blow yeah. up fight. I said it was the best. Yeah. This is where it's revealed how she knows about <laughs> the cousin situation. And right. she plays into a lot of racist things that would be going on in Vinny's head and she pokes fun at his manhood and his sexuality. Oh, yeah. And she's letting him have it all at this she's point. She's got both barrels cocked and ready. Oh, yeah. And he is outmatched for this. He did yeah. not. I mean, he's such a little asshole. Well, she starts off on the defensive. Like, she's kind of passive about her case because he's basically saying, like, you know, you enjoyed this and you shouldn't have. And she's like, it was the drugs. She starts off there. Yeah, and then she realizes that... You know what? Fuck this guy. Well, he's calling her a whore yeah, and stuff, yeah. and then he's like saying that she needs to get out of the car. And she's like, first of all, this is my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. And then once she realizes, like, this is it, 
this is the moment. Yep. She brings up the cousin, and then she just unloads all this shit. Yep. And he spits on her at one point, which I think was improv and she didn't know was coming. Wow. I think Lee and like was on something that like you could not do on a movie set today. Yeah, really. Sure. But yeah, it it definitely feels real because of that. Like Right. Because they're not saying everything perfectly. They're sort of fighting to get these words out of their yeah. mouths and it so it feels like they're actually fighting. Totally. She ends up driving off in a great move where she gets out of the car. Then, of course, as soon as she does, he's like, come on, just get back in the car. Even yeah. though he told her to I know. get out. <laughs> and then she does the move where she circles the car when he gets out and then drives off, leaving him. Yeah, which I can remember thinking to myself that th- this was the thing that kind of creeped me out the most the first time I ever saw this. Like, just thinking about being stranded out here. And there's a killer at least Yeah, in the like city. not thinking that it's very likely that he's going to be <laughs> the there. The city but, is so massive. But your imagination would start running wild just oh, being yeah. out here. Even if it isn't Berkowitz. <laughs> yeah, if like anybody could kill me right here. Deanna storms off to stay with her father. Meanwhile, the neighborhood guys are stalking the nighttime streets with their list of potential suspects. As Son of Sam celebrates his one-year anniversary by taunting police through the press. That's something that made Son of Sam interesting and unique. Zodiac Killer did the same thing, although his letters weren't as entertaining as this. Okay, yeah. There was something so unhinged about Son of Sam where it definitely seemed like he was playing it up. Right. Like, it seemed too over the top. (laughs) Hello from the cracks in the sidewalk with the piss and the (laughs) blood, or the urine and the blood. Yeah. It's like, what is this guy talking about? (laughs) July 29th, 1977. This is a warning to all police agencies in the tri-state area. For your information, a satanic cult has been instructed by their high command, Satan, to systematically kill and slaughter young girls of good health and clean blood. Executioners of the cult. Hi. My name is Mr. Williams. And I live in this home. I have several children who I'm turning into killers. Wait till they grow up. No! Shut that door, no! How can this be? I thought I killed you, Mr. Blackthorn! How did you get in here? Leave me alone! What do you want? I want you to go out and kill. Kill! 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 I will kill. I will. I'll do anything you say. I'll do anything you say. Yes, master. I will kill. I will kill. Joey T and his gang eventually have themselves convinced that Richie is a likely suspect. And when a new Son of Sam police sketch is released, they decide that it actually resembles Richie. The way that they convince Vinny is just to draw the spikes on the head. They're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Dude, when they show that picture, I'm like, that looks nothing like him. And then Vinny is so convinced. He's like, holy shit, it is him. (laughs) Vinny continues his downward spiral with the drinking and the drugs. Makes a huge scene at Gloria's hair salon after showing up late, which causes her to throw him out. And then in something that they don't actually show, but is a legendary revenge move, call Diana and inform her about not only their affair, but all of the affairs oh, he's having out at the salon. When he's having the meltdown and he's like, fuck you or whatever, she's like, I'm going to fuck you. And like, <laughs> she does, man. <laughs> It is the past the point of no return with D. Wouldn't she be worried, though, that her husband would find out? Because she mm. says at one point she has a husband. Yeah, I know. She doesn't care. <laughs> she's, she's calling the shots. She's the breadwinner. Yeah. It's Frasier. Yeah. Who are we kidding? <laughs> because don't they get a divorce prior to Cheers, or is it during Cheers? I think it's during Cheers. Okay. Well, they were married, and then yeah. they end up getting divorced later. Sure. I'm pretending that even though this movie came out in 1999, that this is taking place in <laughs> and then Cheers was after this. Right. <laughs> Chronologically. You get it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Diana finally decides that enough is enough and leaves Vinny for good. It's a hilarious fight scene again. You know what the fuck you doing? What you doing, baby? Oh, come on. You're not going to fucking leave me? Come on, baby. Come on. I'm sorry about Gloria, okay? I'm fucking so sorry about that shit. It wasn't even fucking worth it. All this time, I kept my eyes closed, and I even made myself think that maybe it just happened once. And then I got to hear it from Gloria. Diana, I quit. I quit the fucking shop. The whole thing is over. This is a new Vinny. Do you understand what I'm telling you? How many other women? Did you fuck at the salon besides Gloria? Oh, baby, baby, look, look I, 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 I'm never going to cheat again. I swear to God, I'm going to see a fucking priest. I'm going to fucking see a psychiatrist. I'm going to get the fucking help. I know I'm sick, baby. I know I'm fucking Help sick. me! With one of them named Sherry? Oh, come on. I made that up for you, baby. I made that up for you. Come on. I'm not going to. I didn't was no fucking Sherry. I'm fucking with you now. Come on. Let's work this shit out. You and I, you and I can make this shit happen. Come on. What the fuck? What about play this retreat? Okay, you're right about that. You're right about that. You're sorry what I made you do there, okay? Well, you're sorry about what you made me do. You're, you're sorry what I did. You're not sorry what you did to me. You're not sorry that I trusted you and you used me. Yeah, I'm sorry. Baby, I'm not me, okay? I'm fucking going through a lot of shit right now, all right? Fucking... He's in a cult. Richie's in a cult, okay? He's got me coming or going. He's brainwashing me. I don't even know who the fuck I am lately, okay? So the shit I'm doing right now is not even me. I'm not even responsible for it. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, come on. Come on. You, you're blaming Richie for what you're doing? Come on. Come on, dude. You know what? They fucking think he, he's a fucking killer. He's the son of Sam, the 44 caliber killer. That's what I got to fucking do with Benny, every day. stop it! What does that have to do with you fucking other women? Come on! I am not stupid! I never said you were fucking stupid. I'm telling you that I fucking love you. You can't fucking leave me over this shit. We're fucking husband and wife. Do you hear what I'm saying? We had two fucking great years. You're not throw that out for this piece of shit. What fucking Big Mouth Gloria says to you? Okay. I'm gonna throw oh, it all out. I'm gonna throw it all out. All of it right. goes out the window just like you threw it out. I'm gonna stuck your thing and you're fucking fucking 
ready to look what I got for you. But I got, I got fucking flowers. That's what I came here with, okay? Came with fucking flowers because I knew I've been fucking fucking up for all this time. And I made some bad calls and I'm a bad fucking husband. And I admit it. And I know you can't get away with shit in life anymore. You know, God sees everything plain and simple. And I just want you to give me another chance. No. Please, baby, give me another chance. I can't live without you, please. You can't bring God into this. You can't do that I love anymore. You, baby. Baby, listen. Epic conclusion to their relationship. Blaming anything and everything. Anything he could think of. (laughs) Richie. Richie being the son of Sam. Anything he could come up with is a reason why he cheated on her. I know. (laughs) He says some hilarious things, too, where he's, like, on his knees, wrapping his arms around her, and he's like, I made some bad calls. Yeah. (laughs) That's an understatement. I made some bad calls. Oh, God. And then he tries to... Well, if you leave, don't think you can come back, which is, you might, I know. that's admitting defeat once you say that line. Yeah. Really. That's the last, because of course if she came back, they you'd do, be like, please. It's a good job of portraying the point of no return. We certainly see that here. Oh, God. So yeah. pathetic. I recognize that point of no return. I know it well. All he had to do was 69 is hot wife and everything could have been avoided. Yeah, really. Although that's, of course, a joke because- him not doing those things with his wife is just an excuse. Yeah. He, he was still going to cheat. We know that. Sure. But it's funny to say that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> with Deanna's departure, Vinny disappears further into the abyss of drugs. And then Joey, through violence, yelling, and manipulation, persuades the unstable Vinny to help the crew <laughs> lure Richie out of his house since Vinny is the only local friend that Richie still trusts. I do like when they go over to Vinny's house and they're like, all right, you got to help us with this Richie thing. Richie's the son of Sam. And Vinny's like, well, then just call the cops. He's like, well, I'll just call the cops. And they rip his phone off the wall. However, unbeknownst to these geniuses, yeah. the police have already arrested David Berkowitz, <laughs> the real son of Sam. Guess they didn't get those text alerts. Which that Spike Lee like, news shot of him being the news anchor and they have all those barricades up with the people as the cops are like bringing... Him in is like pretty cool. 
Yeah, the way that they caught Berkowitz is always hilarious. It came down to parking tickets, right? And they figured it out from there. They matched it to his car. The car was registered to him. They got him. The whole thing. There's some differing accounts of what was said when they arrested him. Lee portrays one version. The other version was parodied in Seinfeld when they arrest Newman after they kidnap that dog, and he says, what took you so long? A lot of people say that that's actually what he said when they took him into custody, although they don't do that in this movie. Vinny goes to Richie's house, where Richie and Ruby are packing up the garage to leave town for good, and he lures Richie outside on the pretext of talking about his failing marriage to Deanna. Once Richie is outside, Vinny does try to warn him to run, but Richie doesn't understand what's happening and is attacked and severely beaten by Joey T, Anthony, and Brian. Richie's stepfather emerges from the house brandishing his gun and rescues a bloodied Richie, telling them that the TV news is reporting that the police have arrested the actual son of Sam. Realizing he's a traitor, Vinny has to walk away in shame, and then Jimmy Breslin takes us out of the movie. Of all the things a parking ticket did son of Sam in, on July 31st, 1977, he shot his last two victims. An eyewitness noticed a parking ticket under his windshield as he sped away. Of the four tickets issued in that area, one bore the name of David Berkowitz, a resident of Yonkers, New York. At first, Berkowitz claimed insanity, saying a 2,000-year-old dog named Harvey told him to do it. Eventually, he pled guilty. That sick fuck is serving a sentence of six consecutive terms of 25 years to life. Of course, the New York Yankees won the World Series against the L.A. Dodgers. Led by Reggie Jackson's dramatic three consecutive home runs in the sixth and deciding game. Elvis Presley died. 3,700 were arrested during the blackout, with damage going into the hundreds of millions. To no one's surprise, most of the destruction took place in Brooklyn, Harlem, and the South Bronx. 77 was also one of the hottest summers in memory in New York City. New York, the city that I love and hate equally. There are eight million stories in the naked city, and this was one of them. If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. So yes, this is the build-up. This is what happens with this mob mentality built to a fever pitch throughout the movie. We cut back to it a lot. We have this stupid list. At one point, they think a priest is doing it, (laughs) and other people people that they deem weird. Quite an investigative unit, these dudes were. (laughs) I know. They have zero evidence. They just decide that it's somebody in the Because they don't like Richie. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. They don't like this new attitude. Yeah, and that is what happens a lot with these kind of yeah. vigilante mob justice things. They don't really base it off of much, and then they just decide that it's this. Because at one point early on in the film, if you pay attention, 
Now, mind you, millions and millions and millions of people live in New York City, and it's huge. Right. But early on in the movie, Joey T goes, five to one, it's somebody from the neighborhood. <laughs> Based on what? <laughs> because one of the attacks was there? Well, yeah. the attacks were spread out all over the city right. in different boroughs and everything. But once he says that, then it just is a slow build to them realizing that it has to be someone that they know. Right. It's insane. And it's a weird conclusion to the film because it's not like they kill Richie. He's yeah. beat up. It is sort of anticlimactic. It seems like Richie and Ruby were going to leave town anyway. So, And the relationship with Vinny was pretty fractured after that incident at the diner yeah. and everything. They just didn't seem like they were going to be friends anyway. So you're not really it's sure weird. what's gained or lost. I don't know. It seems like the more powerful ending to have them kill Richie and then find out that the guy was caught but I don't know if it fits the vibe of the movie as much either yeah and I think that Lee might have gotten hung up on the fact that maybe that didn't happen anywhere sure and so it would have been just completely right. inventing yeah, something yeah. that people would have known about because that would have become its own story definitely yeah but irregardless of what actually happens or how it feels I think that you can still take the lessons there and and see how these events sort of put the entire area into this pressure cooker and things sort of boiled over. Although it is hard to blame anything with the son of Sam for what happens to Vinny, other than maybe he got caught sooner because the drugs and the drinking led him to unravel faster. But it's not like son of Sam was causing him to cheat on his wife or anything like that. and. That predated Sam. If anything, maybe it helped <laughs> Deanna move on. I was thinking that there's that scene where Deanna's at her house and he tries to, to come get her. Oh, right. After the fight in the car. And there's just something about how anytime Spike Lee has Italian families and neighborhoods, like they always have that same looking house with the door oh, that sure. they're standing in. Cause I, I seem to remember something from juggle fever. Okay. It's like almost exactly the same looking. Wow. Like All right. the same house. It felt like, yeah, I think that this is sort of an underrated gem of the late nineties. Definitely. Hopefully if people haven't seen it, they, they'll seek it out. Yeah. I mean, even when I watched it the first time I was kind of thrown off by what it was, but I did like it. I was into it. Yeah. There were a couple of movies in this era about the 70s that didn't land right and the other one was 54 oh yeah i remember that which i never saw but i've heard is not good yeah i remember not really being into it even though i wanted to be i think this movie is probably way better without seeing the other one I yeah, just, yeah it just seems like it is to sure. me i believe that it is yes but this one for whatever reason also didn't land right and and people have sort of moved on from it but the music is awesome it's a cool combination of stuff with a couple of the Who songs and all that stuff, and the disco is cool. Totally. The performances are cool, especially Liguizamo and Sorvino. Definitely. The two of them together have like a great I know. chemistry. Their fight scenes are the best. Yeah, it's really great. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. All right, so that'll do it for Summer of Sam. Time to move on to recommendations. I'm assuming you're going to just be a zero here. Yeah, I'm a zero. 
a real like always. dud. I don't know. Recently, with I mean, recommendations from you, could talk about this Elvis movie, but I didn't think it was very good. So, well, that was another thing. Elvis died in the summer. Oh, that's of true. Yeah, seven. I do. Yeah, you do get a quick snip of that. Yeah, we were both not super into Elvis. I know a lot of people seem to love it, and a lot of people. Are, I know are I've cool seen a lot of high scores, but I thought it was too long, and I really like the Tom Hanks. This character and voice that he was doing was really a grind for me. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the length, because I can handle a two forty. But well, it was the you, length if with, it's worth it with the repetitive yeah. nature of some of the stuff. Yeah, it felt repetitive at a certain point to me. Yeah, I uh, would visually agree. it was cool. The music Definitely. is cool. Of Absolutely, course. yes. The- I thought Austin Butler was good as Elvis, but yeah, the Hanks thing was a bummer. Yeah, and there was just too much of it. Yeah, I I don't know how people who are loving the film are getting over that, but I guess that's just... <laughs> They're able to... Yeah. And the stuff I liked, I did really like. The stuff you called out, but there was just too much of the stuff I didn't like. Yeah. So go see Elvis. That's my recommendation. <laughs> I'm only just now... Well, when we're recording this, which was two weeks ago, getting into the latest season of Stranger Things, so I'm not going to recommend that because sure. I'm sure people have watched it who want to watch it. Yeah. But I will recommend season two of Only Murders in the Building, starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. They've added to the cast in ways that are not particularly exciting to me. But if you were a fan of the first season, I've only watched the first three episodes of season two so far, but it seems to be picking up where it left off. I enjoy it. It's not outrageously funny or anything like that, but... If you're a fan of those people, you'll probably enjoy it. It's a reasonable enough runtime. Usually the episodes are a little over 30 minutes. It's not like Stranger Things where each episode is a movie. Right. But that's really all I got. I could have gone through the old Letterboxd diary for some more like last time, but I figured check out Only Murders in the Building Season 2. I recommended Season 1 on here last year. so Okay, there we go. little I'll update. with that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll keep it pretty short. I feel like Summer of Sam, despite its long runtime, it's not a ton of plot. And sure. It's more of a vibe movie. There's a totally. lot of music and a lot of dancing even and orgies. and Yeah, so stuff we can totally relate to. Butt-fucking yeah. in cars, you know. <laughs> I know we have a lot of great modern conveniences, but sometimes you see something like this and you're like, man... Wouldn't it have been great just to be in your prime in, like, 77? It does seem fun. There's just something, like, more fun about not having your phone and Twitter and all that shit. Like, you're just free. Right. I'm acting like this is so profound. (laughs) Like, people don't say this shit every day. (laughs) You were just free back then. I know. You weren't handcuffed. Yep. You weren't worried about stupid shit. I mean, I guess you were. There was a guy going around killing people. (laughs) Yeah, but at least you didn't have to get on Twitter and read all about it all the time. Although, if we lived exactly where we live right now in 1977, it probably wouldn't have been as cool. True. I'm thinking like New York in 77. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We will be back in August with a full regular schedule every week again. This was just a break, so everybody relax. (laughs) I know that like anytime we deviate and get strange i get messages from people saying oh i thought you were on a break i didn't realize you were back or or whatever 
No, we're just sporadic. Sometimes, until we're not. Yeah. And then we're regular again. (laughs) Folks, I know all about that. We're trying to keep you off balance. Anyway, we'll return to regularly scheduled deal in August, and everything will go from there. Eventually, we'll get back to a couple of the listener requests on the schedule and, and all that good stuff. So hang in there. Thanks for listening. Follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so it doesn't matter when we post new ones. You'll just always get them. Yeah, and more five-star reviews, please. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. If you'd like a sticker, let us know on Twitter. We'll send that to you for free. And you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby, and we will talk to you in August. You ever feel like nothing good was ever gonna happen to you? Yeah, and nothing did. So what?